One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello Buglers, I'm Andy Zaltzman, this is Top Stories, the show in which the Bugle raids its own archives to tell you what was happening at some point in human history, provided that that point was since October 2007, such as this point, 2011, when Muammar Gaddafi was still vaguely in charge of Libya. This is issue 145 of the Bugle, entitled Libya or Libna. Top story this week, unrest update. Libby, yikes! <laughs> when, uh, when we last spoke to you, the Middle East was as wobbly as a jelly on a jackhammer. Egypt and Tunisia had already overthrown their governments and revolution fever was spreading. Now, incidentally, revolution fever is a little like scarlet fever in that hopefully you feel a lot stronger once you're out the other side, presuming, that is, that you're still alive. But it, turn, it turns out that the we're-not-going-to-take-this-shit-anymore bug that's sweeping the region has proved extremely contagious. Yemen and Bahrain have both caught it, and this week Libya has come down with a serious case of f*** this shit. The difference, the difference with Libya is clearly the leader in question, because Colonel Gaddafi is a lunatic. Mubarak was an arsehole, but he wasn't an idiot. Fundamentally, he knew that the game was up, even if he took a few extra days for that to sink in. Ben Ali of Tunisia was a turbo douche, but he was also a realist. He knew when he had to step aside. Gaddafi, however, is a different matter. Here, you're dealing with a grade-A psychopath, so it's much harder to predict what someone so psychotically irrational is going to do. And it does seem that he's currently not going to give up power with anything less than something resembling the final scene from Scarface. Coked up, sweating, a bloated mess of the man he once was, screaming, Say hello to my little friend! As he unloads a gun indiscriminately from a balcony before being shot to pieces. <laughs> He's uh, he claimed to, today, uh, understand, that he was, quote, like the Queen. Um, <laughs> I saw that. Which is, uh, I guess, an unusual way to try and swing your public behind you. You know, just by confusing them. Saying, I am like the Queen of England. Right? Hang on. 
hang on, I'll just put this brick down and think about that for a second. But I guess when you think about it, John, he is he's very like the Queen of England, certainly from my point of view, in that I didn't vote for him. I don't particularly want his son to be King of England. And also, I think he's not as big as he was in the 1980s. Um, the Queen, literally so, she's four foot eight now. She was five foot 11 in 1987, and then Prince Philip did a magic course. And he tried the sawing the woman in half trick without having attended the last class. And as a result, the Queen is now a titch. But it's a bit embarrassing, John, when we look at this now, and, you know, Colonel Gaddafi did make that seamless transition that we've talked about before between major world terrorist and lunatic to invaluable trade partner with quite alarming smoothness. And uh, it gets even worse. In 2009, the countries of the European Union sold Libya 343 billion euros worth of arms, or Oof. adult fireworks, as they're now officially known for tax and health and safety purposes. But... Um, it's important to remember that, that, you know, we might have sold Colonel Gaddafi these weapons, but we did ask very, very nicely for him not to use them. Uh, so, yes. I mean, really, we can't entirely be held responsible for the fact that he's now turning them on his own people. Um, and um, also, we have to remember that, you know, we might have sold him 343 billion euros worth of arms in a single calendar year, but at the same time, we in Europe will do absolutely anything within our power to further the causes of peace and democracy. Now... Can you have both of those things, John? Is that, I mean, is that, is that like trying to have a pickled onion and a gherkin in the same sandwich? <laughs> Possible, not advisable. <laughs> it's, it's true. They, it's true. They, we very clearly put not to be used for naughty reasons on the invoice at the bottom in small print of all of those uh, arms deals. It, it does seem that Gaddafi has lost control of the majority of Libya now, but he is clinging to control in Tripoli like a toddler clinging to a bug, trying to stop their parents from prodding their hand open and taking the probably already dead insect away from them, screaming, if I can't have it, no one can. And we've spoken over the last few weeks about how every dictator has their own way of leaving office. Ben Ali headed for Euro Disney with gold bars in his luggage. Mubarak scheduled a speech that everyone expected to be an announcement of his departure, only to fake everyone out, speak for 20 minutes about how great he was, and blue-balling <laughs> half a million people in Tahrir Square before taking a helicopter to the beach in disgrace a couple of days later. So, what has Gaddafi gone with? Well... True to form, it's been a sequence of increasingly erratic and dangerous appearances. At the start of the week, he appeared on uh, state TV talking to cameras out of a car door. A car, incidentally, so tiny that you expected 15 clowns to climb out after him. <laughs> holding, holding an umbrella and saying that he was on his way to speak to the protesters in Tripoli, but couldn't now because it was raining. And... <laughs> That's a pretty solid excuse, Andy. Your country's on the brink of a bloody civil war. You have only one chance to try and calm people down, but... Oh, hold on, will you? Look at those clouds. There is no <coughs> point getting your hat wet. That's just making a bad situation worse. He made that appearance to counter rumours that he'd already fled Tripoli. He then delivered another speech, standing in front of the ruined garden shed that was his family home when it was struck by American missiles in an attempt to kill him back in 1986. And at times, the camera panned up to show a towering gold-coloured monument in front of the building, showing a fist crushing a fighter jet with an American flag on it, having caught it mid-air. And I would not be surprised if that was something that Gaddafi honestly thinks that he did. Yeah, that's right. I caught a fighter jet with my bare hands and then I crushed it into dust. I can also catch tanks with my teeth and shit out their rockets like fireworks. Isn't that right, everyone? Uh, yeah, sure, sure you can, Colonel. 
we'll, we'll get to work on that tank statue too, shall we? <laughs> uh, he did another televised address, John, I don't know if you saw it here, where he just uh, sang Here Comes the Hot Stepper uh, <laughs> for about 20 minutes, unbroken. Well, I guess that made his point. You know, you mean forcefully made his point. I guess he is the, he's the hot stepper in that, in that analogy, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know he's got hot steps. Fair, yeah. fair, well, fair play. I don't think anyone he's would dare to deny Libyan that. He's five-time dancing champion. <laughs> <laughs> he was shouting through the rambling speech, declaring himself a warrior, and proclaimed, Libya wants glory. Libya wants to be the pinnacle at the pinnacle of the world. Now... Come on, Colonel. Libya might want that, but Libya can't have that, can it? You've got to set yourself realistic goals, otherwise it's no wonder you're so f***ing angry all the time. That's, that's the problem, Gaddafi. Your outfits are writing cheques that your GDP can't cash. Now, the weird thing was that it gradually became clear during this speech that Gaddafi was actually speaking alone from behind a podium in a deserted lobby with absolutely no audience in front of him. And it really did look like the ravings of a madman. There's, there's a scene in Scorsese's film King of Comedy where Rupert Pupkin has a late night talk show set set up in his living room and does a whole show on his own pretending everyone else is there. And as he's doing it you realise he's clinically... Yeah, he, you realise he's clinically insane. And that is what this felt like. That Gaddafi was just some weird guy pretending to be a dictator, giving a speech to his terrified nation. You had to keep reminding yourself that he actually was one. <laughs> he closed the speech saying, I'm a fighter, a revolutionary from tents. I will die as a martyr at the end. I have not yet ordered the use of force, nor yet ordered one bullet to be fired. When I do, everything will burn. So, you know... Extending the olive branch at the end there, albeit an olive branch that was wrapped around a massive machete. So Bangladesh just took an awesome catch running in. <laughs> now, look, we should probably point out this is going to be an occupational hazard of the bugle over, <laughs> over the next month or so. They're my new team. Bangladesh! Good. Bangladesh! It it's good, Andy, that even in the face of the a majority of the Middle East starting to go up in flames and calling for full revolution, you can still be distracted by cricket. I think that shows your love of cricket in a way that nothing else ever could. Well, the thing is, John, you know, Bangladesh as a country has had its problems. It's taken a battering over the years from uh, history and from nature. And now, through the vehicle of cricket, it is emerging as a bold proud new nation and maybe this could be the way for Libya we just need to sit Colonel Gaddafi down with a video of the 1981 Ashes series and just watch him turn into a changed man that's all I'm saying well we haven't but, tried it yet but I would argue that is a bit of a stretch no I mean all we've tried is giving him weapons and that just doesn't seem to have worked and if Italy is leading this uh, the European League of giving weapons to uh, Libya Italy sold them 112 billion euros worth. Now, Italy, oh boy. Silvio Berlusconi, you know, if he isn't banging underage girls, he's selling arms <laughs> to nutcases. And yet they still vote the f***er in. What is wrong with these people? Yes, you can cook, but you need to pay more attention to the rest of your lives. But um, I don't know, who, was, who was Berlusconi trying to impress with? 112 billion. I mean, it is an odd way of pulling hot young chicks. No, but it seems to work for him. Hey, sweet cheeks, let me tell you about myself. I just sold a hundred billion dollars worth of weapons to a tyrannical despot. Yeah, I sure did. Now do you want to see my plums? 
<laughs> you must have some real personal job to pull that off. Uh, Germany <laughs> sold fifty-three billion pound uh, uh, euros worth of military kit, mostly stuff used to jam communications. So well done them for facilitating the uh, democratisation of Libya. But um, however this revolution pans out, John, when you look at these figures, I fully expect it to end with millions and millions of anti-Gaddafi Libyans standing on the coast of North Africa, looking towards Europe with their hands on their hips, shaking their heads, and then slowly and deliberately extending millions of middle fingers. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be hard to argue with their rights and justification to do that. Uh, this, all of these speeches were followed yesterday by a phone call from Gaddafi to state television. So, a phone call, not perhaps exactly reassuring people that he was still in the country. Um, I was waiting to hear a pilot's announcement in the background of the phone call telling everyone that they were first in line for departure and that the in-flight movie was going to be Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, during, the, during the phone call... Gaddafi changed tack, uh, moving from blaming America and the Western media for interfering and instead blaming Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden, saying that they'd been giving young Libyans hallucinogenic pills in their coffee to get them to revolt, saying they are exploiting teenagers, giving them hallucinogens in their coffee with milk like Nescafe. Wait, what? So Al-Qaeda can't even give them real coffee. They have to cheat them with the instant shit. You see, that's the problem with these extremists, Andy. They offer you paradise for all eternity, but all they're really giving you is instant f***ing coffee. Yeah, whereas the Italians have given them uh, 50 billion euros worth of high-quality Lavazza <laughs> espresso coffee. <laughs> he also said, I call on the people of Libya to get out of their houses and confront this bunch of people. If they're not brave enough to go out and face this enemy on the street, maybe they should let their women and their daughters go out. And this is the last refuge. When a dictator's in trouble, he starts basically calling his people sissies. Then you know <laughs> he is fighting a losing battle. Thank you for listening, and I'm sure like me, you do sometimes wonder what happened to the old colonel. Find out by listening to a classic bugle, uh, or indeed a new one, uh, in case we might mention him. They're in your pod feed right now. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.